Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 198, episode 4 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, yeah! a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it is Thursday, August 19th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Hey, do in the fridge and getting cold, getting chuggy, getting old. Can you fuel me? Hey, do sitting here with miles with aching head and soundproof tiles. Can you fuel me? Hey, do please help me to carry the zeit. Open one more. No sleep tonight. That is courtesy of Rob Cunningham. Hey, you. He's apparently on a Pink Floyd kick, he oh, says. And Floyd. I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. I said real dumb. Anti-vaxxer clowns, real dumb. COVID cases are up, real dumb. Going back into lockdown, it's like bubonic plague. Okay, that was me doing George Michael's Freedom. Uh, it's okay. hard when you don't have multiple voices, plus the powerful piano thing on behind it. But thank you to Christy Yamaguchi Main at hey, Waffle hey. House for that one. And shout out to Christy I saw that he got a, a cameo a shout from, out from Christy, Christy Yamaguchi. Yamaguchi. Wow. Okay. okay. I was, I I was like, I got a little tear in my eye. I was like, damn. This is beautiful <laughs> wow. to see something like that uh, be, be realized. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, Miles, uh, before we get to our guest, uh, we got to let people know that on August 25th, Wednesday, something that I had wrong uh, as recently as yesterday, <laughs> Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. for all you filthy night owls on the East Coast, you sick bastards, we are bringing you the year 2000 in a live streaming, audiovisual, interactive extravaganza Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be riffing on ridiculous styles from the year 2000. We will be listening, dancing to ridiculous music. We will be talking about Shrek. Got to. Might Time even to answer some of your questions. We're going to quiz some of you. You guys are going to have to do some of our uh, answer, some polls. Yeah. And just generally, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the ideas and trends from the year 2000 that you didn't realize created the modern zeitgeist. And Miles, our special mm. guest. Special guest, Chris Crofton, none what? other than the old man bandit YouTube lover coming <laughs> through to give us his takes. And also, like, again, go to momenthouse.com slash the daily zeitgeist to get your tickets. Momenthouse.com. Momenthouse. Uh, and yeah, don't worry. The, the links will be there in the footnotes. So you don't know. Just, just, yeah, just show click on this footnotes. episode. They're there. Look at or the... go to one of our social pages. We got yeah, the yeah. links there. But you yeah. got to get a ticket even to watch it after the facts, but please get your tickets. Yeah, even if you can't make it live, there will be a video on demand option. So you can, you know, you won't be able to comment and talk to us, but you'll be able to check it out. Yeah. Uh, and there's a super dope poster as well that you Ooh. can get to commemorate the the fact that you were there for, I think this is the last time we're doing this show. This is the one that we toured with last year, but we're, we got some updates since it's been a year, somewhat yeah. eventful year, some would say. Yeah. But yeah, this is going to be, this is like that Seinfeld thing where he was like, I'm doing all my old material, retiring it, putting it exactly. down. It's going to be a good one. Come check it out. Okay, Miles, we are yep. thrilled to be joined in our third seat by one of the driving creative forces behind the newly al- announced podcast network, Cool Zone Media. 
from Robert Evans and Sophie. Mm-hmm. He is a writer and researcher on shows like Behind the Bastards, It Could Happen Here, Worst Year Ever, Uprising, A Guide from Portland, as well as for Bellingcat. And he makes everyone on this podcast feel old as fuck. Please welcome the young and talented Garrison <laughs> Davis. I was born in 2002. 2002. Woo! Hell shocking. yeah, man. I love to hear it. A little bit. I love to hear it. I was talking with Sophie the other day. I was like, yeah, Garrison's coming on. And I'm like, yeah, but Garrison, man, he make me feel so old in the best way, though. Like where I'm like, damn, I'm glad these young people got their shit together. Also, I'm like angry. I'm like, how does he not know this other shit from the 80s? Because it's 20 years before he was born. And I, I, was, um, I, was, I was yelled at for not knowing what Wayne's World is. Recently. <laughs> Wayne's oh, wow. World. You yeah. say as though it's like. Some... How did that come up? Like, because I, I can. I, someone's like, yeah, right from Wayne's World. And you're like. Huh? Yeah, it's like something. Yeah, someone's trying to do some some obscure reference to this <laughs> to this media property of Wayne's World. I don't. And I have no <laughs> idea what they're talking about. Wayne's World is super influential to the point that, like, people could probably say the jokes and they would be old to you, even though you've never seen Wayne's World and didn't know what it was. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, yeah. yeah. Like the resurgence of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, Bohemian Queen. Rhapsody wasn't even really that big a hit before they did a, a funny headbanging scene in the car to it. And then now it's a uh, Oscar winning film. And now Jack and I can't stop saying swing either. <laughs> I, have I, you heard I, of that I, thing, Garrison? I don't know if I've heard of Swing. Damn. I want to hang out with the people you hang out with. Y'all probably yeah. have better shit to do. Yeah. We we don't. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> then allow us to blend our cultures. You show me that the, your ways, and I will show you the chuggy ways. That, um, that's fine, yeah. Yeah, okay. You guys Great. sound fun, not... Thanks. <laughs> is that is that something that... Uh... I am I am aware of not. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, growing that's... up in the growing up in the early two thousands, we had a lot of something not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot was not. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, something cool and young. We are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. Uh, a couple of things we're going to be talking about later on. Governor Greg Abbott currently has COVID. He's oh, you know just being safe, getting the experimental treatments. We'll talk about that. The monoclonal antibodies hey, they've been fda regeneron. approved yeah they've been fda approved regeneron. yeah but he's uh you know he feels fine but just to be safe mm-hmm. he is get getting that uh, even though medicine. just to be safe he uh wasn't worried about people being safe uh within his state who aren't him uh we'll yeah. talk about the sacklers david sackler and the the people who created the opioid crisis so we'll talk about them because they're trying to hold a settlement hostage 4.5 mm-hmm. bills we'll talk about a recent study that has found that vaccine hesitancy is highest among phds and why that shouldn't be that surprising to us even though at wow. first you're like wait what yeah, let, we'll we'll talk. We'll explain it, Garrison. I'm going to ask you about the uh, Nazi appropriation of the white boy summer meme that you and uh, Robert yeah. wrote about for Bellingcat, and just get your thoughts on like whether Chet Hanks has gained self awareness and is now doing all of his like right wing memeing uh, on purpose, just out of desperation. Yeah. I just did a whole bunch of extra work on this this weekend, actually. So. Oh, a whole wonderful. bunch of new new things. Great, oh, please take us well, take we us will into that world. Talk to you about that. We will talk to you about uh, gender reveal cheddar bay biscuits. Amazing. Uh, yes. Uh, what like uh, the inside? Like that's yeah, how you know? they're doing a little 
Yeah. I mean, we probably don't need to talk about it. I just told you everything you need to know about it. <laughs> and there's a new Girl Scout cookie, and we'll announce the upcoming streaming corner. Streaming uh, corner. Assignments. Super producer Anna Hosnier's streaming corner. We need streaming. to get a little, little uh, sound bug for that or a, sound, a sting. I'll just say it every time. You know, but before we get to any of that shit, Garrison, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? Oh, boy. Um... I've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of work for the new show, so I have a lot of stuff related to like Stop Line Three and uh, the, a particular group called the GNU Collective, which is most of my search history right now, because of my writing projects. That's most of my stuff on Google is is around GNU Collective, Stop Line Three, and uh, Embridge, the 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 company building the pipeline. Yeah, can you explain a little bit about like what what the show is about in general? Yeah, so the, the it could happen here daily. Uh, we have five. We're, we're starting off with five scripted episodes, um, laying out kind of like the mission statement for the show and laying down like the base information. And then after that, it's going to be a daily news show combined with doing like occasional like interviews, group discussions of talking to like climate scientists, activists, and then just keeping up to date on different social movements related to environmental activism and related to like how to mitigate some of the worst effects of localized climate collapses because a, yeah. part, part, a big part of the show is talking about how i'm, I'm especially about people my age we're seeing a, a big increase in like doomer ideas like, yeah right we're all like there's nothing we can do to save it which is like partially true but it's 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 wrong in the specific way that there's not going to be one big collapse that ends everything. It's, there's going to be small local things that slowly crumble away our modern world. And we can do things that help the people who are going to get hurt the most by that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we're trying to focus on the things that can, that, that can help. So, For people you know, who don't know what It Could Happen Here is, it was a show, uh, season one was released in 2019, kind of Robert looking at, you know, using his background of being in countries that had gone through civil wars and, you know, the thing that he kept hearing from people is like, we never thought that this could happen here. And, you know, talking about like how the, the right wing fascist movement in America could turn into some manner of civil war and actually ended up predicting a lot of uh, the shit we saw in January 6th and just like in the in the immediate aftermath of that show. So now the the focus is on climate change and how we're seeing that bring about a things people would recognize from like movie dystopias in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's very very interesting show. What is something you think is overrated? Overrated? Okay, and this in the same so I I just spent a week in the forest and overrated I think I'm going to say shoes. I think people people should slowly try to use less shoes because okay. walk, walking around barefoot in the forest is very fun. It can hurt the first day, but after a while you start to get like little calluses and you can start moving around really quickly and you feel very cool and primal. Mm. So <laughs> I think I think people have an, an over-reliance on some shoes, you know. People, I, I like going for like, wow, cats are just scratching my chalkboard. That is a horrible oh, that's, sound. That was, wow, that's not, <laughs> that you're in the torture chamber. <laughs> no, my cat's being bad. But yeah, shoot, I, I used to teach parkour classes and like once a week I would do um, barefoot parkour. 
just so I have like a baseline, you know, just in case I ever lose my shoes, I can still do some stuff with my bare feet. <laughs> they take my shoes. I'm still. I know. I'm still good. I'm still yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think uh, I th- think shoes sh- people should learn to walk without shoes. What were you doing in the forest for how long or how long were you in the forest? I was in the forest for a week. It was supposed to be a vacation and we were going to yeah. we were going whitewater rafting. But I was I was I was on the trip with a whole bunch of terrorism researchers. So it mm-hmm. very quickly became a work trip because we all just start talking about all of our research fields. Right. And so like, it wasn't come on, let's leave the domestic terror stuff. Yeah. In the city for a moment. please. So we didn't we didn't really do a vacation. It was mostly a work trip because of right. all of our because we were all talking. But it was it was very fun. Yeah. yeah, all it takes is for you to see like one sort of like far right meme sticker like on a car, and then suddenly everyone's like, "Did you guys see that?" It's, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> that was like me on any trip when I'm like, "Oh, did you see that car?" And they're like, "What?" I'm like, "They're three percent. For, forget it. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm ruining this nice time." Yeah, but, yeah I love no there, shoes. Man. I love no shoes. I, I, because I, you know, I would always run around barefoot most of the time. I think if my, I don't know, I, I'm, I, I like that feeling more than anything. Even though I love, I love a shoe. I love to yeah, put a shoe on. Absolutely. But the feeling of just like navigating shoeless, I also get a sense of pride. Sometimes you see some tender-footed people who are mm-hmm. like, "Oh goodness!" I'm like, "You never stepped on concrete in the summer? Get with it." Yeah, it, it is very fun to like run across the gravel and watch people cringe at you, and you're like, "No, it's fine." Yeah, mm. you're like, "It's fine, really," and you're like. Oh, <laughs> Is that something that you and Robert have talked about at all? Because I remember running into him a couple times back in our cracked days, uh, and he was just jogging around Santa Monica I, without shoes on. I, I know he also does barefoot running, but no, this is something I've been doing for, for years before I knew who Robert Evans was. Right. But yeah, it's just, you know, it's syn- synchronicity. Yeah. 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 But you guys just are both, you both recognize that there's a possibility one day that you'll be without shoes like, uh-huh. like Die Hard, except a, yeah. a climate disaster. <laughs> yeah, and um, you don't have shoes on. <laughs> Wait, you know Die Hard, Garrison? I know, I know Die Hard. Okay, all right, just all right. Yeah, I know. I know a good a good amount of nineties movies. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I do love to ask extremely young people what their favorite movie is of all time. Oh man, extremely. that is rough. You can you come know, back to that if you want. I if you want and to speak, think speaking it. of nineties movies, I do love The Fugitive. I think okay. that is a very that's a very fun movie. One of the yeah. greats. Um, and Absolutely. we can all appreciate movies about running away from U.S. Marshals. Yeah. <laughs> we can all all appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I've always thought that the sequel, U.S. Marshals, is actually US Marshals the Godfather is, 2. Of, uh... is, U.S. Marshals is also a very good movie. Yeah, it's Because you get to see Robert Downey Jr. on so many trucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> he is constantly wasted in that movie. Yeah. Oh, is he? I never yeah. even saw oh, the second totally. I saw it. He, I... like, went into rehab and, like, like right after this film. It's, he's, like, on so much drugs. Uh. Hey, yeah. Then he came it back is, to us. And then he start. came back as Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's uh what's something you think is underrated? So part of my part of my trip is I was actually in South Carolina and I got to go to Waffle House for the first time. Ooh. And I, think I saw we, that tweet. We don't have Waffle Houses up here. So I think people are missing out on the on the heaven like experience of Waffle House. Mm, so what? more more I think Waffle House is underrated because we should have them everywhere. What'd you get? Oh, I got so many things. I got I, I got so many waffles. I got hash browns with like the, the browns. smothered and covered and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Capped? Yeah, we, I love capped, smothered, yeah, covered, yeah. I, I, I did I, I did all of it. I, I, I got enough variations. 
that I was yeah. able to get the full Waffle House experience. I, I stole a Waffle House mug. That was pretty fun. I, yeah. I first I first asked the waitress, can I buy this mug? She's like, no, but you can steal it. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. That <laughs> and then I, gave, then I gave her a very good tip. <laughs> there you go. It all comes out. Yeah. That's actually something that ties into uh, climate change because there's the Waffle House Index. Yes. Right. Because Waffle Houses just never close unless they absolutely have to. People use the number of Waffle Houses that are open on a given day as a representation of like how how bad things are basically yeah. from a yeah. natural they all have disaster. Like, they all have like their backup generators. Yeah, they're very, very, very good way of looking at, you know, disasters in localized areas. Right. Yeah. They're like, sadly, we're like, more industries should take note of Waffle House uh, for having <laughs> such a robust future forward ideology. Uh, yeah, Waffle House is underrated. More, more, more Waffle Houses. We yeah. think in the future, like if it's like Demolition Man style dystopia, like the Waffle House is like our refuge for like it's the, the, it's the bastion of, of civilization. Yeah, it's yeah, like a it's a, that's the one part of uh, one part of a uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Really like is when they talk about like the Golden Arches or something. Mm-hmm. It's like we should just have that, but for Waffle House, be like that's like the one thing we all like remember as being a thing. Right. It's like the the one part of civilization still standing somewhere there's a waffle house that's still open we have right. to find it and somehow still getting product to <laughs> still getting product somehow somehow <laughs> they're still still getting hash browns still getting right. waffle batter yeah <laughs> yeah I, I wonder like i feel like waffle house v like maybe taco bell takes over the is the elysium kind of level restaurant but then yeah. waffle house is like the what what Dennis Leary and his crew eat instead of rats? Oh, they, they yeah, actually yeah, yeah. just are like Waffle House is there for the people. Waffle I mean, House I'll believe is for it. the people. I'll, so, I mean, you know, as this corporatocracy chugs along, like eventually it will be like, yeah. Did you go to Waffle House to get your COVID test and and uh, medication <laughs> distribution? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I feel like I what feel a like, dream. <laughs> yeah, I feel like things work better in our brand of like hyper capitalism when there's like two big brand like coke and pepsi as opposed to like you, you never just have one brand to dominate or when you do it gets weird like america after the fall of the soviet union mm. so yeah i i think demolition man got it wrong there's going to be a second brand and i i do like waffle house is the prediction for that i just think if if we're already leaning on waffle house for refuge in like bad weather, I think that bodes well for whatever the you know, the new White House will just be the Waffle House probably. <laughs> that is the new WH, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There you go. Yeah, this out of the WH president, blah blah blah. It's like, oh god, I wish I was there at the Waffle House. <laughs> Joe Biden could be so much better if he just moved his house into a Waffle House. They just serve a- waffles. He'd have a better idea about like minimum wage for sure. He would have. He would have a lot of. He would have. He would have a better idea about a lot of things. Yeah. If he was forced to always work in a Waffle House. Yeah. How many? That would be like a cool. Like if I was one of the guys who worked for uh, Biden and uh, Pod Save America, like a Waffle House tour of like America would be like a good like kind of blue collary like uh, gimmick that they could do. And it's branded, baby. And it's branded. That's the other part. It pays for itself, y'all. I mean, get the paperwork up. So you ride for Waffle House over uh, the International House of Pancakes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have 
I've yeah. been to IHOPs before, and they they pale in comparison to the to the beauty and the potential of Waffle House. But yeah. is there anything that even comes? Because I don't know anybody who's like an IHOP stand, or even when they went IHOP with the burgers. They did that. Oh man, I've totally forgot about that. I actually yeah. like IHOP a lot, but I went abroad, so like I'm very international, you know. <laughs> so like, uh-huh. that's kind of <laughs> have that uh, Euro flavor. So I've maybe had that's just me. in Europe. So. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And Governor Greg Abbott, who is currently tied with Ron DeSantis for like piece of shit governor of the year, Mm -hmm. has announced that he has COVID. And part of his statement said that because he's vaccinated, the symptoms aren't bad at all. Right. But he fell short of actually endorsing the vaccine uh, or encouraging va- uh, Texans to go get the vaccine. But he he is, you know, just to be safe. He is uh, being treated with monoclonal antibodies, a.k.a. Regeneron. So. Regeneron. Wow. You do your thing. You say, what a fucked up announcement. Where you go, oh, y'all got COVID. But don't worry, I don't have any symptoms. Thank God I'm fully vaccinated. Won't push the vaccine. We'll right. push the high cost treatment of Regeneron. And, you know, I'm actually on anticlonal and monoclonal antibodies. So please ignore the part where I said I have no symptoms. And just also don't, don't and connect the Regeneron to that idea. It's so fucking weird. I'm like, I don't know anyone who has asymptomatic COVID who's taking Regeneron. Did did you see what he was doing the night before he announced he got a positive test? Oh, I saw that he was in some event that was packed the the, the, the massive event with old people. Yeah, the massive old person political event. Yeah, within like eighteen hours, of like leaving that place, he's like, "I got COVID, y'all." Uh huh. You look at those pictures, you're like, "This little fucking auditorium they, was they packed are packed with," and you know they're old because the, the they were so dressed many. up. Yeah. These were old, dressed-up conservatives who thought they were did not. I don't know. Like, who knows? Uh, maybe everyone there was vaccinated. But yeah, shit. probably not. At a, probably not. <laughs> which is so wild, right? Is that all their leaders that they look up to vaccinated? Yet there's right. no they. They're not willing to go that other step of being like, well, then how come you're vaccinated? That that is that is kind of the main problem with this is that like. Abbott's going to be fine, right? Like, he's yeah. he's, he's going to be fine. But all the people who listen to him are not. Like, they don't get the same specialized treatment. They're not They're not going to be vaccinated the same way he... They, they probably aren't vaccinated, or at least some of them aren't, you know, because Abbott doesn't, you know, he gets it, but he's not, he's not going to push it. You know, same thing with Tucker, who's probably vaccinated, but he's still right. going to push this all... going to push this rhetoric to further, like, the, the culture war. Um, or Trunker, as Mike Lindell calls him on OAN the other night. He did he? Tucker. He's like, and Trunker, he knew. And you're like, Trunk, Trunk. Oh, Trunker. no. Yeah, he's he hasn't been doing it's, well. It's supposed to be like, tr- it's like Trump and truck, uh, Trump and Tucker together. Yeah, or, I'm guessing. A truck and a truck. I don't know. A tr- I don't know. Anyway, but, go but yeah, on. but like all of the like, you know, all the people who like follow them for information, they're they're going to be the ones actually who are harmed. You know, if it, like Tucker is going to be fine if he ever gets COVID. Abbott's going to be fine. It's all of like it's all of like the lower class people who follow them, who listen to what they say. They're the ones that are actually going to get hurt by this. Right. So yeah. That's just the, the, the cycle that we see in American politic. OK. And also, if only there were harsher penalties 
for cozying up to pharmaceutical companies when you're a politician. Uh-huh. Because we've seen it with Rand Paul and he's like, oh, did I forget to did I forget to disclose all those investments my wife made? I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It's regen- I don't know. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about it later. It does nothing. It, it just crickets underneath the surface. Meanwhile, you have DeSantis and Abbott like doing just commercials for fucking Regeneron. No one's like kind of like, huh? What, what's going on here? The one interesting thing is like, if you look, if you just search Regeneron, like some of the articles are like, man, the stock prices are going up as GOP governors touted as a, as a viable treatment for COVID. Great. That's like what's in Barron's right now. We just don't have any social infrastructure built to like get any energy behind something that doesn't make money for someone. So like, because the right. vaccine is not, monetized in any way we just like can't get people to like just give a yeah. shit about it like enough to like send it send it to like get get people actually getting it uh and, in any and effective we can't way. and and we and we don't do good marketing for it that's the other right. thing is like this country really runs on marketing and the marketing that's been done for the vaccine duncan because it does. It also is. it also runs on duncan because of marketing yeah, yeah. it's all of these things have been, have been embedded in our brains and we don't have the same good marketing for the vaccine because there's no business for it. It's not it's not something that's being monetized. Right. Which is why, you know, people just slap Fauci's face on stuff and think that's good enough when even that actually makes people less likely to get the vaccine. The more right. we push Fauci and vaccine stuff, the worse it gets. Yeah. We we need to rethink the way we're doing marketing around the vaccine and start using the techniques we use for like monetized marketing yeah because that's what actually works we're just not doing it for this i think we just yeah. need to start charging money for the vaccine get, <laughs> get people right. to just lie actually like, get it yeah be like sorry yeah. all right so we got an experimental vaccine that's uh actually made by nike one. and apple and it is no 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 conservatives hate nike sorry gotta uh, say it's like john deere and new balance a, new balance and apple by a sentient <laughs> 1988 chevy silverado pickup truck <laughs> <laughs> and just get get people actually feeling like it's it's worth something because that's the only version of being worth something that American I mean, like, brains can handle. You, like you you joked about like getting like vaccinated at Waffle House, but like that's the actual things that work. Right, is go into the places where these you know where people go in their everyday lives. Be like, yeah, here you can get your. You can go to your COVID shot at your local grocery store when you're waiting in line. Like, you know, like all these little things are the things that actually work. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Regeneron was like is able to make so much money off of it that they got Abbott to catch COVID as a viral stunt. Like that. <laughs> yeah, right. That's impressive. Man. <laughs> I mean, hey, look, he's he says, look, look, dude, I'll post to my main social channels, too. I'll post to my <laughs> personal socials, too. Like, let's work out an influencer deal here. Yeah. But yeah, their stock price has gone up thirty five percent this year. Oh my god! So, bit of a bit of a pretty penny uh, uh-huh. if you are invested in Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. I sh- I should have put all my money in Regeneron this year instead of Bitcoin. I lost it all, and I could have could have just got re- that Regeneron money. Oh yeah, and probably just to lose it all again with whatever <laughs> scheme they got going over there. <laughs> <laughs> but then even like one of the founders sons was like running for Congress. If you remember last year, oh, too. Like, wow. it's yeah, just that makes like, sense. you know, they're like, put my young kid in there and he'll just be the stooge who does my bidding as a Congress person. It's very, uh, very murky over there. Uh huh. It's yeah. I mean, wait, the more you learn about, 
American history, the more you realize like this is this has always been the thing to bail out the rich in favor of like the American government basically chose to create railroad barons in place of like actually helping the South with reconstruction like that. Right. That's basically the decision that they made because it's just they, they always go with the money like just mm-hmm. from jump. Well, speaking of always going with the money, (laughs) Uh so David Sackler is one of the members of the Sackler family who, you know, not only manufactured OxyContin, but also were a big part of the marketing that made it seem like a good, unharmful idea to doctors to overprescribe it, actually like paid for research, put it in uh, medical journals and you know, just completely created the current situation we have with the devastating opioid crisis. And the U.S. government, by the way, is going after usually immigrant doctors instead of the Sackler family. Yeah. But it, it right. This is a, Purdue Pharma, the company that the Sacklers own, which is the maker of OxyContin. Look, everyone knows how bad Oxy is, how bad the opioid epidemic is, how the Sacklers and Purdue were like willfully just downplaying how addictive and damaging it could be uh, to get, you know, become dependent on these these medications and fucking drugs at this point. Well, this fucking guy essentially went into court and said, look, here's the deal. Because right now, as it stands, is they've they've agreed to pay four and a half billion dollars as part of a settlement to just be like, oops, sorry about a half a million, over half a million people dying on, you know, just off the strength of these drugs and who knows, countless others probably if you really game it out to like other addictions. But saying, okay, look, we know we're going to have to pay this four and a half billion as just a minimum to sort of right the the sort of epidemic of opioid addiction. But then he said, unless my family and others involved with this are granted blanket immunity from legal repercussions we are not going to pay the four and a half billion dollars and fuck a settlement, because if you want to go there, we got money and we can go. To, we can see every motherfucker in court till the day we fucking die and we will out legal fee your ass. So what the fuck you going to do? He essentially is holding this settlement hostage in exchange for immunity from any fucking more legal. Reper- it's it's um, let me just read just some of the shit he says, quote, or not. This isn't a quote, but essentially this is a, from The New York Times. Quote, he said the family anticipated that the liability shield would cover him, other members of his extensive family and and about a thousand other individuals, including contractors and consultants and protect them from lawsuits that had nothing to do with opioids. That means they would be forever immunized from any current and future lawsuits worldwide related not only directly to Purdue's opioids, but to other drugs the company makes, including drugs for addiction reversal, high cholesterol and even constipation as a result of taking prescription opioids. That really feels like even threatening that should be a crime. Like there's enough yeah, right. like weird things going on. You're like that, that no, like that's not how that that shouldn't be how it works. Yeah, and you know to your point, Jack. Like everything's set up here, so if you're wealthy, no one's gonna get be able to get one over on you because even in this situation, you they've got your ass dead to rights, and you go in here saying, you know what? Actually, I'm not gonna pay four and a half billion because if I really think about it, I'm gonna. Here, this is what I'll do. I'll flip this into a fucking legal immunity shield forever for everyone I know, because at the end of the day, the legal system is set up that if you have more means, then you can just 
get people locked up in this cycle of litigation till they go broke and then yeah. they won't they can't sue you anymore. It's great. I mean, we have the documentation where they are taking into account the opioid crisis and saying, keep keep your foot on the gas, like keep let's keep pushing. Mm-hmm. We we have like they need to be treated. The Sackler family, they need to be treated like like El Chapo. Yeah. Seize his assets. What, yeah. what the fuck? What are you talking about? He either or just go seize his assets like he's a drug dealer because that's what he is. I mean, I think that's the beauty of how, you know, these industries are set up and how government interacts with them. That it's like, yeah. well, if you're making see, at least we can get te- collect taxes off of some of these opioids. But the fucking other hard drugs from cartels, well, I, just I don't know. What, what do we do there? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we just don't have the same. We, there's just no even though the stakes are the exact same loss of human life due to people's careless this disregard for it, that somehow we're putting it in the, the white collar section where it's a fancier yeah. affair. And lots of the other harder drugs are like way less addictive and way less harmful than Oxycontin. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, good. Good things we have set up here. Yeah. Y- yeah. But I, and I, yeah, I, 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 you'd hope that you lived in a country where it didn't take them being like, fine, I guess we'll settle. Are you happy? Where <laughs> they could just say, fuck that. You just, you're killing people willfully. I don't give a fuck. No, fuck. We're taking your shit. They but, honestly couldn't be more guilty. Like when you read the history of the yeah. family, you read that the founder of the company and like one of the lead like person who brought this family into uh, the pharmaceutical industry was the person who came up with the idea of marketing to doctors about medication and like misleading doctors. Like he came up with the original sin that caused this whole thing. It like they <laughs> they couldn't be more clear cut like the right family to just seize all their assets and you know. No, yeah, like they should get their assets seized, pay the five billion dollars, and still face legal repercussions. Like, yeah. It should all happen. Yes, and he's funny, dude. Uh, David, Jack, you and David Sackler are the same age, but like he looks like some fucking hell. He demon. does look so much older. Wow, he's forty-one. He's forty-one. Whoa! Fuck? All of his evil things has like caused him to age drastically. Yeah, I know. It's funny. It's like the Trump kids. You wear that karma on your face. It's like it sucks it out of you. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's. I was just thinking about stuff like that. I'm like, damn. That's like when you just think people born at the same time have these fucking this. His worldview has been completely insulated from like the evil of his family's money. And he's just out here with his chest up, being like, we won't pay unless you give us immunity. And that's threatening to blow up this settlement that a lot of people are counting on this money to come through because now they're like, well, hold up, bro. We're going to fucking give them. Mm-mm. So it's we'll see how this plays out. But a lot of people, especially like different states and groups that agreed to this, definitely don't want some, you know, fucking the star from Mario to protect him and his family to be like invincible from now on. Yeah. And I mean, the the family members who. He's probably like, well, you know, this is the best thing for my family long term because I'll be able to like have money for future generations of kids. And, you know, they're that 
that shit is evident to everyone, whether right. they want to like admit it consciously or whether it just like festers in the unconscious and makes them look like they're 70 when they're actually 45 years old. Like you're, you're not actually getting away with it. There's a, right. there's a psychological toll. All right, let's talk uh, real quick about this new study that I just wanted to address because I could see it kind of getting misinterpreted by the vaccine hesitant groups that, you know, like to gas each other up on Facebook and WhatsApp. So there's a new paper from Carnegie Mellon that says that the curve, like they did a broad poll that's you know, statistically significant, but not like definitive in any way. But it it is an interesting like kind of statistical trend. They found that the curve for vaccine hesitancy is U-shaped, where basically, you know, people who are not college educated are the second most likely to be vaccine hesitant. Then you kind of go down, 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 like as you get to like college educated, master's degree, et cetera. But then it goes back up when you get to PhDs and like the more educate, like the people who have the most advanced degrees. Mm. And that is something that I feel like would have been very surprising and like worrying to me, like when I was younger, I guess, and like just kind of hadn't read as much about like the fact that that same curve is true of like cult membership as well like mm -hmm. that that's the same thing that happens with people joining cults they're actually you know people with higher education are more likely to join cults than those with less, less education and they also found in this study that the like phd candidates or people with phd's were the least likely to uh, change their mind on the subject, which I think right. is also kind of instructive because the reason for the cult and this trend, I think, are that they are, it's basically the smarter you are, it's not the more likely you are to be right, it's the better you are at arguing for whatever you want to believe. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so you are just more you're better at constructing an argument that makes it makes you feel like you are special and better than everybody else. Right. Like it's just there's there's something about Americans that makes us want to be special, that makes us want to resist being feeling like we're part of like a herd where we're like following <laughs> part of a directions. community or. Yeah, country. exactly. <laughs> and and so I think like this makes total sense to me that they they would be able to convince themselves of this self-serving like version of reality where they're like special. Yeah. And it's also not all PhDs. It's still a small minority of PhDs. Sure, sure. Who but believe if you are a PhD, the chances are high though that you might uh you might be hezzy with the vaccine. I mean it's like twenty, thirty percent. So sure. not high, but higher than most higher. Yeah, yeah, I totally yeah. get that. And I, I look in my own life, I have people in my life who have very high degrees and are very resistant and like sort of within the you know family or friend group have occupied a space of like person you're not going to ever win an argument with because they'll just <laughs> yeah. they'll just like you know they're not necessarily just going to throw out a bunch of false shit that you have to you know, like the gish gallopy type debate style but like truly like always trying to triangulate another position in the middle of like fleeing another position 
to stay like I guess rhetorically superior in that sense. And I and, and it's playing out now into hesitancy, vaccine hesitancy. And in a way when I'm just like, yeah, actually when you think of the cult stuff and things like that, like it's the same thing of, well, you're certainly not gonna convince me. <laughs> right. Definitely not gonna be you. Cause I've already I've already done the triangulations and calculations about this and I and I'm fine here. And it's hard because it's not like there's you know, especially with a advanced degree, there it sort of reinforces this idea that you you know enough that some other person clearly is gonna know more than you. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about Chet Hanks and Nazis. And we're back. And so, Garrison, you wrote about how Chet Hanks's like meme spawning declaration that we were uh, about to see a white boy summer back in the spring was kind of seized on by white supremacists and Nazi groups to to create memes. You and you and Robert Evans wrote about this for Belling Cat. And I just wanted to kind of get your your take on that and then also like get your thoughts on uh si- since you guys published that I believe he has come out with his anti-vaxxer video. Just like I'm I'm curious if you think he is consciously chasing a right-wing fan base because he recognizes that's, like, his best chance at fame. Yeah, so, like, the White Boy Summer thing was obviously inevitably going to get used by Nazis because it's called White Boy Summer, right? Like, that Like like that. That part's obvious. So what the, kind of, what the article was kind of more about was talking about was, like, tracking what groups were using that meme and the type of propaganda they were making and what their main goal was out of it. Yeah, it was terrifying. The propaganda that you guys yeah when, was fucking... I mean and we we didn't we didn't share the worst of it like there was like there was a lot a lot worse stuff that we have saved to our hard drives for later because it's like it got it got used by a whole bunch of accelerationist neo Nazi groups to basically push this meme which is you know it covers a broad range of political spectrums from like you know it's 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 not just a Nazi thing. Um, so like a lot of a lot of if you like search the white boy summer hashtags, you get a lot of a lot of different stuff. So if you could insert accelerationist propaganda into it, you can get it seen by a lot more people that wouldn't usually see that type of media. So, you know, one of the main groups that was starting to use this stuff more and more was the Nick Fuentes Groiper group. I mean, they were starting to plan like actual like rallies. They were starting to, you know, they were teaming up with Paul Gosar to do like white boy summer events. So like they were trying, they, what was concerning about them was that they're taking this online thing and putting it into the real world, which is always like a very notable escalation of that, that just introduces a whole lot more possibilities. And lo- trying to look into like the origin of who was pushing this meme, especially the more extreme parts of it, like, e- you know, even more extreme than like Proud Boys, like, like much more like weird accelerationist Nazis. There is there is some like a whole bunch of people behind the scenes who are creating propaganda and pushing certain aesthetics through this meme to kind of push people down very, um, very dangerous rabbit holes online. You know, lots of lots of stuff that's not even like worth talking about because it's just it's very it's be- it's it's better to not even know about it. Right. So there was a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff behind the scenes going on with this meme and the particular aesthetics that that they were using, like they like the like the orangey beach aesthetic. It, that that kind of follows a certain path down, uh, you know, whether you're searching on like Telegram or even places on like Instagram, when you're trying to follow that aesthetic, it, you can lead up into some very bizarre places. And then as for like chat, 
it's always hard to kind of gauge someone's especially someone like him who's like a who's like a public figure like his intentions because he definitely sees this i mean like if you saw like the first white boy summer video of him of him in his car it just, that, that like went viral he obviously was like oh this is something that's gonna go this this went viral i have to find a way to, to like make you know make a bigger deal of this so people will watch me so then he made the terrible music video um so you know it, he's very much trying to follow where attention leads and the attention is still kind of on him so he's gonna keep doing things that are controversial quote-unquote but I, I don't think he's gonna do anything that takes action an actual stance on anything because he's in a really convenient spot right now that people can watch his content who are who don't have strong feelings one way or the other um, or have strong feelings one way. It, it's it's both. He can attract both of them because of the type of stuff that he's doing. So he's very much trying to piggyback off of the kind of culture war-y type stuff, but without actually having to take an actual position on on anything. And it, it it's more it's more concerning for like the White Boy Summer thing was that like he was just being used by people with you know much worse intentions, where where his intention is mostly just monetary and for attention. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have not watched his vaccine video because I watched the white boy summer rap, but that was about all I could take. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, it's it's the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's it's the same thing. I'm trying to figure out what's the thing that's gonna get you know trending on Twitter so people can like see me do my little thing, and that's the thing he's currently doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it definitely. I mean, I think yeah. Without him knowing or not, you definitely see the pattern of someone who's on the fringes of celebrity and things like that doing whatever they can to find their audience and some and a lot of the times especially with comedians who have been you know uh, had their you know people be like well you know we're not really fucking with this person anymore they typically find a home on the alt-right on, yeah. especially and and it's like because of this victims of cancellation or whatever it's very doing. it's very easy to be a far-right quote-unquote comedian yeah, yeah. no 100 percent. and i think yeah with him you can sort of see that consciously or not it seems like he's probably he sees attention he sees numbers and then that's what's pulling him in that direction yeah because the whole the anti-vaxxer thing it felt like he it's like he had been consuming like anti-vaxxer media because yeah. the setup of it was very much like meant to be a troll meme for anti-vaxxers where it was like he's taking on the, you know, the energy and disposition of someone who's caring about the pandemic and and asking people to take the viruses and then switching it up with his psych and then going into his fucking patois bullshit, whatever the fuck he's, you know, his Jamaican accent he got. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely he's definitely a space worth watching, especially if he's going to keep doing this thing. Because the one thing that's been interesting about it that he's he's had his like finger on the pulse for a lot of for a lot of things, whether he knows that or not, right? Like the white boy summer thing ballooned to such a large degree, especially online, for you know to the point where I'm like sitting down and watching hours of like Nazi propaganda about enacting specific acts of terrorism. Right? It's like you, you see like this like weird like you know chaos theory effect. Of you know mm-hmm. the, the butterfly makes the makes this video in his car, and now I'm watching this video about how different ways you can like shoot up X place, you know, all tagged with white boy summer hashtags and w- with with like aesthetics, and you know it, it's the same thing with you know so that was like the, the that was like the pulse in early spring, and the new thing we're seeing is a whole bunch of like neo Nazis trying to infiltrate and co opt like anti vax rallies. We are seeing yeah. a lot of this across the country. Uh, and we're seeing it here in Oregon, where I'm at. 
But we're seeing it like in every city. We're seeing a lot of this in Los Angeles. So it's the same thing. It's like he's 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 odd. He's you know whether it's on purpose or not, or just you know it's a weird like synchronicity of of events. He's had his finger on a pulse for a lot of these things that turn out to be big problems. And this the the anti-vax thing and the anti-vax like in-person rallies are not going to be going away anytime soon. They're going to keep going because it's not actually about the vaccine. It's about people who want to get in-person mobilization and they're using the vaccine as an excuse to do that. Mm -hmm. There's something almost magnetic for dumb narcissists and the right, it seems like. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like, because Trump started out as as a Democrat, you know, and then slowly by slowly as just a somebody who possesses a sucking black hole in the middle of their being that like needs to be filled with attention. They just like, he just slowly gravitated over there. Kanye, I think suffers from one of the more, you know, extreme cases of narcissism that we've ever seen on the public stage. And like that, he kind of gravitated over there and Chet Hanks seems to be similar, similar situation. It just seems like that is, a deadly combination that seems to never head in a in in a good direction. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially with you see a lot of the like I saw so many videos where like Proud Boys were there working with these anti-vax people to just essentially be like, oh, OK, well, here's a group of people who mostly align, but they're in physical space. So let's let's see what we can get going here. Yeah. And yeah, that combination is just tr- it's it is it's frightening to see just sort of evolve constantly but yeah i don't know yeah well i don't chad hanks is going to be doing a you know fucking tour with lauren lauren bobert and matt gates or some shit then we'll know i mean the the thing i'll be interested to see is like where if if he's getting interviewed by outlets where he gets interviews and what outlets are doing it like that's the thing like you know is he going to show up on steven crowder's show sometime you know that's the kind of thing that i'll be that's is is, is that's worth watching to figure out like what is this guy actually doing that yeah it's it's where he's going to try to get you know his media boosted and 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 what media is boosting it without his involvement you know what's the places that are spreading his stuff in hopes of creating memes off of it yeah. Well, I think one group that we do know that is fucking with him is the rapper Soldier Boy, because the most recent thing that is, is coming out is that he signed Chet Hanks signed with Soldier Boy's record label. Interesting. So we'll see. We'll see what Chet Hanks does with that one, because mm. he just because we know so badly he wants to be black. So uh, who knows? <laughs> he's, he's going about this in the weirdest way, Chet. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what his record deal looks like. But, yeah, Soldier Boy says he's like, the, you know, I can't. It's going down is what he said in this clip. So I guess Chad Hanks is his new artist. So, yeah. Watch watch this space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's do a quick kind of lightweight pop culture salad. Like we mentioned, there are gender reveal Cheddar Bay biscuits being rolled out by... <laughs> Uh, Red Lobster. <gasps> oh, man. How do you do this? I'm, I mean, it's just in my mind. This, this is how they do it. So there, there's there's a little bit of tannerite in each biscuit with some, <laughs> with some with some dye, and you shoot the biscuit, and the tannerite blows up inside the Red Lobster. Oh, yeah. got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Is it just that it's the interior is hidden? Yeah, the interior is hidden. I think there's like some 
I definitely feel like the interior of Cheddar Bay biscuits are maybe a different consistency from the exterior, right? They're a little bit gooey, a little bit like soft. And so they're just taking whatever that ingredient is. And oh. it's gross. It's whatever gross looking. It doesn't look edible. is in the middle yeah. of the Cheddar Bay biscuit. I mean, come you on You know, uh, unfortunately, this could save a lot of lives. <laughs> because if people, yeah, if, pe- right. <laughs> if people just go to Red Lobster, instead of blowing up things in the forest, we'll get less, we'll get less fathers killed at their gender reveal parties. Yeah. We'll yeah. get, we'll get less forests burned down by Tannerite explosions. So hopefully this will have a net good impact. Yeah, if it, if it even prevents one forest fire, then... <laughs> It's Crit- and we should be giving them a Nobel Prize. I Critical guess, support to Red Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> this is being uh, rolled out because we're coming up on September, which is, you know, like humanity actually has a mating season, like which is around December, early January, like the holidays, which is weird because. I mean, I was born in September, so that makes sense. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And it's. You know, it's mainly like a wholesome holiday that focuses on kids. But then when you consider all the adult portions of the holiday season are focused around getting drunk, it starts to make a little more sense that uh-huh. that's like the mating season. Mm. And Where then were you also, born? What's your birthday, Garrison? I'm, I'm, it was sometime in September. I'm, I'm, I'm coy about my actual birth oh, date. Oh, okay. But it's, tell, tell me off air. Sure. So, yeah, that's another thing. Uh, Girl Scout Cookies have announced that they've got a new flavor coming out, brownie sea salt caramel. That is apparently the takeout got a got a sample and said it's good. They also got a sample of Guy Fieri's hot dog apple pie. Everyone says that's good. They say that's an A. They gave it an A. They say it's... He doesn't miss. Yeah, Where do you dude. buy that? It was only for this... It, it was first came up for this Field of Dreams baseball game that they did last Thursday. That was in Iowa, and it was like one of the vent. Like that was just one of the things you could buy there. Will this be rolled out on a larger scale? Who knows? Who I knows? mean, it seems it seems like if they were planning to roll it out on a larger scale, they're doing a good job of like seeding it. Which, they, I think it's made by Chevrolet, or like Chevrolet is like somehow because yeah, it was something to do with like some ad thing where it was like as American as hot dogs, apple pies, and Chevys. So, that makes so sense. That's where again they like hopped into do that if, if they can add the vaccine to that it's good marketing i know right yeah right oh but like the takeout was giving chevy like credit for they were like chevy thought of everything with like this like presentation they gave them like the sweet mustard and like a little thing that looks like a oil like for your car would come in it it's kind of yum like 10w30 mm, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> yummy <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> nothing makes me hungry like chugging car oil exactly. oh yeah absolutely I, and then this other girl scout thing it's a brownie cookie brownie like cookie brownie. but they said that it's not like chewy like a brownie it's actually uh, kind of crumbly like a girl scout cookie but I, chocolatey I, I, I think this flavor is like four years too old. If they did this flavor four years ago, they could have hit the height of the sea salt caramel brownie zeitgeist. Yeah. yeah. I think right now it's a little dated. We need, we need to find the new thing. It's, it's, I'm telling you, it's going to be mango. Mango is the new thing of the mid-20s. Mango is great. Oh, man. It's just actually, I ate one last night. So mm-hmm. See? I think you might be See? right. See? Predictions are coming true. Because right now we're hitting peak birthday cake. Yeah. That, the funfetti aesthetic. I think we're I think we're on the way down from that trend because for a while that birthday cake shit was it it still is it's fucking everywhere so I think we're late for the birth get birthday cake trend mango yeah they, wait, ha- they don't even have a birthday cake flavor do they 
Girl Scouts? No, for, no, I mean, no. I've always relied on the Girl Scouts to be like ahead of the curve. Well, yeah, no, exactly. at this point they're behind. So we'll get a right. birthday cake one in two years now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunate. Wait, why do you think mango is going to be? Well, what's what are you seeing out there with mango that you felt you feel so strongly that that's the next? I, I don't know. I, I was I was I was walking through Safeway last night and there's a whole bunch of new new mango flavors and just following propaganda colors like like you know like if you do like color theory for like propaganda and memes we're getting a lot of mangoish colors sunset, coming up in like sunrise, yeah a lot of like sunset yeah. type stuff is getting more popular and the kind of like. I think like birthday cake is very like 2012 thing. They kind of like darker like coffee. Oh, so when you were ten. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the, the kind of like darker like coffee brownie sea salt caramel thing. It's a very like 2017 thing. Okay. And I think we're gonna get some like brighter, but like brighter in like a sunset way, mangoish type kind of stuff happening in the next few years for like marketing and for food. That's kind of my that's that's my rough prediction and for, all for right, you know, so we're going analyzing. All in. All in on mango futures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna take all my money out of Regeneron and put it all in <laughs> big, mango. big mango. Big that's mango. The, that's the thing. It's one of the jewel flavors that was considered like too good. They were like, <laughs> we gotta pull this from the market, y'all. It's people that's true. Are, yeah. Oh my um, god, I'm just thinking about weed now, right now. Is yeah. mango a big flavor There's right now? Mango vibes tropical fruit vibe strains are coming in because it's weird and hey. legalized weed is also having to figure out how to market to new smokers too or yeah. new consumers so they are i do see this other thing of like yeah, it's very food like the cookies and the skittles there's a lot of uh, combining like food sensation or flavors like with like or at least incorporating that with like the naming of different strains yeah so, yeah, you know what? I'm going all in on Mango Futures. Okay. Not for nothing, but I was just listening to a podcast where they were talking about Chris Kattan being coked up at a child's birthday party. So, Mango. Again. Mango. Again. I don't know if can't. Again, and that may be a reference a little too old for our guest. Um, uh-huh. are, you, are you aware of the too SNL go- character Mango, who is like a, a male exotic dancer kind of dude? Nope. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's Chris probably Kattan. true of most people. <laughs> damn i'm living in my own bubble for a second jack when you said that that fucked me up because i almost wanted to say i refuse to believe people don't know who mango is yeah yeah and i just had to shut the fuck up for that such as mango (laughs) (laughs) all right and then finally we are going to give out some streaming corner assignments yeah producer anna hosnier has given us our marching orders two shows yeah we'll probably go with white lotus first because yep. it's all out at this point. Yep. I watched the first episode last night. So I'm speaking of being behind the curve. I'm I am a like like the Girl Scout cookies way behind the curve on this one. But man, there's something about just like the mixture of performances and the look and the weird vibes. And I don't know, it ends like not on a cliffhanger. And I was like, I, I need to keep watching this like right, right. now. Yeah, it's yeah, it's I mean, it's a fun watch. I think uh, I had an experience well, we'll talk about it on the show, but at the very least, yeah, the it, it, it's getting people talking. People have many different things I think they wanted from the show. Other people, I think, saw the show for what it was. But yeah, I, I think a, a really good exploration. And like I, whenever I see like Mike White, I'm like, that dude's a writer. I'm like, I just know him as like the dude from Nacho Libre and like always working with Jack Black, like in School of Rock and stuff. But he's he's been around. It turns out so. That's that's all. He plays a character in Nacho Libre. Yeah, he's an actor. 
Yeah, yeah. He was he's been, if you if you see his face, you're like, oh, that's right. This dude is on he's an actor too. Uh, huh. But I also didn't realize that he was also like a writer and producer on like Dawson's Creek and shit like that. But, yeah. Oh yeah, I know this dude. Like what? Yeah. Look at that. And then Reservation Dogs were I think three episodes into the first season of that show being released on Hulu, and that's I think the best show I've seen in a long time thus far. It is. Have you seen so Res- have you heard about Reservation Dogs, Garrison? I don't think I have. Yes, yeah, the Taika Waititi and what is the I want to say the other creator's name? Sterling Harjo? Sterling. Sterling. That's Sterling. what it is. Oh yeah. So yeah, Taika Waititi and Sterling Harjo. That it's so good. It's just so good because this is like what happens when you give people their own writer's room to write about their experiences and make a show about their experiences through their lens and through without having to put it through some other person's aesthetic. And it's it's just so unique. And it's like one of those shows, too, that I watched the first couple episodes. I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. There's something like new worth getting excited about that is like saying something really interesting, but also having fun with it. Yeah. So, yeah, we have a bounty of of uh, riches at the moment, uh, comedically and TV wise. Yeah. And I feel like every one of these kids who plays a character on this is going to be a famous actor. Like, they're all so good and, like, so just, yeah. They, I feel like they're all, they, like, discovered a bunch of people. This will be, like, a uh, Freaks and Geeks type thing. Where, mm. yeah. Calling it here. Yeah, Call but again, uh, Zeitgang, check out White Lotus first or not, whatever. But we're going to be talking about it. And I just, again, if you love Jennifer Coolidge, you got to watch the show. <laughs> you you got to give it up to the god. The yeah. goddess Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, my God. I watched it with uh, my wife and she, the just like batting like 900 for laugh out loud lines from Jennifer Coolidge. Like everything <laughs> she said, my wife was just dying. But then, yeah, Reservation Dogs is a must watch. We won't respect you if you don't watch it. You got to watch it. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Or don't hang out with us. Don't eat lunch with us. Unless yeah, we don't even it. want to talk to you. But yeah, that that's coming out episode by episode. So maybe we'll probably catch up to it by the time it fully ends. Yeah, yeah. Garrison, such a pleasure as always having you. Where can people find you and follow you, man? Uh, you can follow my my uh, personal stuff at uh, Hungry Bowtie on Twitter, and you can follow all of the new shows I'm working on at Cool Zone Media and the family of podcasts that branch off. Like it could happen here, behind the bastards. And other other fun things in the works. Yeah, yeah. And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? There is one funny tweet I saw yesterday. Was this Marxist Leninist saying that the, that 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 Feds only impersonate Trotskyists and anarchists because they can do those ideologies and not Marxist Leninists? Which is very funny because I'm. I've, I've, my brain is poisoned by politics. This is like the opposite of how feds infiltrate activist spaces, and it's very funny. And we got to we we got to drag this person for so many so many good tweets yesterday because it's just, yeah, it's just really funny when Marxist Leninists talk, talk like this. <laughs> Which I know this is a very esoteric thing, but it's to me this is this this made my day yesterday. So we nice. we we love we love to drag people on Twitter. There you go. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Find me Twitter, Instagram at Miles of Gray, and also uh, 420 Day Fiance. If you like 90 Day and Weed, come check out that talk. You know, some lighter fare uh, with Sophie Alexandra. A tweet that I like 
Let me see. First one is from Roast Malone underscore. Uh, yeah, at Roast Malone underscore. Tweeted, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will leave me awake at 3 a.m. years later, wondering what you meant by that. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, I, I, who hasn't? Who hasn't uh, marinated on some words from long ago? And then other one is from John Lewis at J-A-W-N-L-O-U-I-S has a picture of Kirkland's signature tequila añejo from Costco. And he tweeted, sipping this Costco Migos all week. <laughs> Great play on Casa Migos and Costco. Costco and I just like that together. So shout out to Costco Migos. Yeah. The, other, the other fun thing on Twitter is watching all the conservatives start to be pro-Taliban. Yeah. Now, that was the other fun thing. They're like, oh, they're doing all these like socially conservative things. I guess we're fighting the wrong side all these years. And you're like, it just, yeah, it's like, I, I mean, I saw this coming because this is how, you know, this is this is how conservative stuff eventually leads to. Yeah. But it is it is just very funny watching well, them be like, you know, being so pro-fighting in the Middle East for so long, and now that we're pulling out, they're like, oh, I guess the Taliban does have a few good points, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's so funny. We were talking about that uh, yesterday, I think, of just how they probably, like, if the choice is between siding with people's humanity and being empathetic to, like, the struggle of someone who's being, like, you know, fleeing Taliban rule or just going all in on, like, people who are doing, like, aggro shit, they're like, yeah, 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 let's just do that, because I'm... <laughs> Can't extend my uh, the humanity to those people. Yeah. So I'm Team Taliban now. Some tweets I've been enjoying. A couple of good New York tweets. Kylie Brickman said, I love New York City because near my house, there's sort of like a pile of dead bird. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex Cole tweeted, I love New York and just posted a picture of two signs that said, get the fucking vaccine, wear a fucking mask. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, like mine's. Oh, and then... Jav Staz tweeted telling the song to shut up right before you skip it, which I've definitely Oh wow. <laughs> My God, shut up. <laughs> Changing the wow. song. Wow. You know when I do that, when you plug your phone in and it starts default playing the iPod songs or like yeah. out your music app and you're like, Oh, get the Especially, yeah, if it's always on the same one. I used to have a car that always went to the beginning alphabetically and played A-Punk by Vampire Weekend. And I was just like, oh, my God, shut up every time. Shut up. And I really like that song. Now my kids love that song and want me to play it all the time. So the world, for whatever reason, is trying to make me hate that song. And, uh, you know, succeeding. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes. Uh, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode and the tickets to our live show and a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy today? This is a collaboration between a songwriter and producer I like and a band I like. It's Krungbin and Knowledge. Uh, you probably see Knowledge spelled K-N-X-W-L-E-D-G-E. But this is their song, Dearest Alfred, uh, in parentheses, My Joy. And if you like Krungbin, you know, they're a very, like, easy, laid-back band to listen to. But Knowledge is, you know, injecting a little bit of more energy and a little more pop to their mellow ways so it just makes for like a really good easy listening track uh you know for a for a hot august night all 
right. Well, go check that song out. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning, but we are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to y'all then. Bye. Bye.